Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth. Consistently, I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. I got very little sleep for over a year, and I put everything in the proper order to scale, and it did. Despite a few little bumps here and there, it continued to do well. Today on episode 570 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder of e-releases, Mickey Kennedy. I'm going to ask Mickey what triggered him to become an entrepreneur and how he found his niche. Stay with us to hear all the details. You can find out more about Mickey along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Mickey Kennedy. Mickey is an expert at helping small businesses, authors, and startups increase their visibility and credibility. 22 years ago, Mickey founded e-releases after realizing that small businesses desperately need a press release service they can actually afford, giving them access to the media and to a national newswire, all with a personal touch. Mickey, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, David. I'm glad, glad to be here. Glad to have you on. So what was it that actually triggered your shift into entrepreneurship, if it was 22 years ago or maybe earlier? Yeah, it was probably about 24 years ago. I just personally don't like being told what to do. It's just one of those things that ever since a kid, you know, telling me what to do wasn't the way I like to do things. I like for it to be my idea. And, uh, you know, ever since like my mother would encourage me to do stuff, but not tell me what to do, because she knew that that would get me to move. And I found that, you know, working a regular job, I, I just was being told what to do too much. And I wanted to carve out a space for me where I could do what I wanted to do. And uh, that's sort of what, you know, gave me the impetus for, for going out on my own. Hmm. And, and was there like a trigger incident or was there, do you, like, do you recall the day when you said, this is it, I'm, I'm done being an employee? I do. I uh, had a boss at the time who just really uh, yelled at me at one time about, you know, not doing something that he expected me to do exactly the way he wanted it done, despite not training me to do so. And I saw him treat other staff differently, almost like he was a friend with them and wasn't with me. And I just said, that, you know, I, I can't do this the rest of my life. I can't, I can't be yelled at and, and you know, reprimanded. I, I just, you know, didn't like it at all. And as a matter of fact, it, it bothered me so much that years later after I'd left, I went back and talked to him about it. And he just told me, I was managing people and I didn't know how to manage. So I just reacted and it wasn't the right thing to do. And uh, he said the people he was friends with, he turned out that that was the worst thing he could have done was maintain a friend friend relationship because he ended up having to let one of them go because they weren't working out. But the person never knew because he never called them out on what how they weren't performing. And so it, it turns out that bosses aren't necessarily good bosses and employees aren't necessarily, you know, uh, cut out to be employees. Yeah, that that's an old story. And I find it fascinating that you went back to him and had this conversation long afterwards. 
Yeah, uh, he was very smart, and I, you know, greatly appreciated the sparks of intelligence that came from him. And he was very entrepreneurial, and so I, I found him a good ally to have with networking and connections that we had. But I just felt like there was something rooted in the relationship going back to that incident that I, I just had to bring up. And uh, he was apologetic about it and said, you know, to be honest, you were a much better employee than uh, the other one that I eventually had to let go. And yet I never yelled at her. I never reacted. I never even gave her constructive criticism. And he goes, and our friendship didn't survive because she said, it's not fair that you never held me accountable or told me that I wasn't performing. So, um, yeah, you know, we, we all learn and evolve and we, we sort of do things uh, one way or the other. But for me, it, it just came down to wanting to, you know, do what I wanted to do and not be told directly what to do and how to do it. Mm. Now, looking at your business itself, what was the first thing you tried to do as an entrepreneur? For me, it was trying to solve a niche. And at the time, I had found in my previous business that people were migrating to email, journalists specifically. We were doing broadcast faxing at the time, and that was just the way you sent press releases. And so when journalists started moving to preferring email, I just felt like that was really ripe for me to jump on and try to make connections with as many journalists as I can. And surprisingly, a lot of the journalists were excited about it. They're like, yeah, I, you know, press releases by email, not clogging up my fax machine. That's great. And so so I just went full force into that. And I spent like probably a year and a half just facilitating connections and, you know, getting journalists to sign up and categorizing them and seeing what kind of press releases they wanted. And then just going out there and offering that service, um, basically just standalone sending emails on behalf of clients to journalists. And it was amazing that, you know, my database wasn't huge. I think when I launched, it was like 8,000 journalists. But yet with that, uh, you know, clients were getting results when I was sending out press releases to them. Right. So you had a hypothesis about how changes in technology could uh, tie into a need in the marketplace. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is that how e-releases came about? It is. As a matter of fact, it was very much handled almost like a listserv with uh, lots of different categories that grew over time. And I would just uh, you know, send the content out. We would produce digest for the uh, journalist. And uh, that was pretty much how it went until uh, a newswire came and asked if we wanted to partner with them and also send over the newswire, which seemed like a great opportunity for you know our clients you know, getting a broader reach. Mm. And so for those who may not be familiar with how a newswire works, can you describe this? Yeah, it's basically an electronic distribution. It used to be um, hardwired into intranets and newsrooms across the country, but it's evolved where it's mostly, you know, just like pulling stuff up through RSS feeds through a browser now. And it, they each usually have their own login for journalists as well on their website. The newswire that we work with is Pierre Newswire. And some people are familiar with wires because they see like uh, UPI, United Press International, Reuters, AP, Associated press and they're a little bit different in that the uh, content that they run is written by them so they don't necessarily run press releases per se they might take a press release like the associated press for example will take a press release and turn it into original content they've written so that they then control the content and can send it out to their members 
and uh, they work on a licensing. So if a newspaper like in Philadelphia wants to write about a breaking news story, rather than having a writer paid full time to work on breaking stories, they just license it and pull it off of the Associated Press or UPI. And when it comes to press release newswires, they work very similar to these other wires, but the content that they're issuing are, are press releases. So they're not necessarily being licensed, anybody in the media can can pull them off and use them. But most of them turn them into articles rather than just, you know, copy and paste a press release. Mm. So fast forward to today, what's unique about your your business's positioning in the marketplace? I think for us, it's the experience that we have. Um, we see what's working, what's not working. We can uh, help provide strategy for clients. Uh, a lot of customers will send the same types of press releases, mostly because they don't know any difference. They say, well, we hired someone new, so we should do a press release on a new hire. And those types of press releases rarely get picked up outside of like a local newspaper and maybe like a, a key trade publication. And it's usually a very small little, you know, update of like, you know, two sentences, this person's now at this company and something like that. Uh, where if you involve strategy and, you know, work more strategically, you can develop a, a press release that's likely to get, you know, way more pickup. And so we're trying to help our clients as well as potential clients understand the difference and how to inject some of that strategy into their press release and, and make a more meaningful uh, piece of content that hopefully readers and viewers would be receptive to, uh, because that's the real challenge. You want the media to feel like this is a story I'd like to share with my readers or viewers or listeners, whatever the medium. Mm. And who's your ideal client? I like startups because they generally do a lot of releases and they have a lot of milestones. They're moving fast, they're growing. They generally uh, recognize the value of PR. So, you know, I, I like them for that reason. You know, I love helping small businesses. That's, you know, the, the niche that, I, that I'm in and I've, I feel like I'm, I'm really good at it. We work with a lot of clients who are on Shark Tank. They usually issue a press release before their episode airs, um, and they might follow up uh, after the episode with another press release. And some of them, you know, do quite a few releases, and it's it's always fun working with them because there's a lot of energy there. They are very willing to ask questions and say, "What's the best way to do something?" Where I think some small businesses just get lost, and they're maybe a little embarrassed to ask a question like, "You know, I'm thinking of doing this. Is this a good idea?" Where startup will just say, hey, what do you think of this? And they're just very matter of fact and moving forward, which I, I love that energy. Hmm. Mickey, what do you think is most important for consultants and coaches to know about press releases? I think uh, the important thing to know is that that they do they do work, but you have to be strategic. And I think that if you can reverse engineer it from uh, how would my business be relevant to a reader or listener and design the content for the press release with that in mind, you can have a, a much more meaningful piece of content uh, that would ultimately result in some you know, media pickup. Because, it, you know, as I said, the end of the day is you're not wanting a bunch of syndicated sites just replicating the press release. A lot of people have gotten distracted over the past 20 years by that. The real goal is to actually have an original article written about you, whether it's in a blog or a newspaper or a magazine or something like that. And that's the real power of it. And, you know, magazines specifically love stories. Uh, we have a really good success rate getting people picked up in Fast Company and Inc. And it really comes down to uh, relevant stories. And a lot of my 
customers who are looking for advice, I will say, what's something embarrassing that happened early uh, in your business? And, you know, it might be a story of, you know, shipping out of the garage and uh, asking the uh, the family and mother-in-law to come over on Thanksgiving and try to catch up on inventory rather than uh, doing the Thanksgiving spread. And in that case, that one did get picked up. I told him, I said, that's a really great story. You know, that that did make it into an article. So, you know, sometimes thinking about how you present yourself, everybody wants to be like very professional, but people sort of identify with, uh, you know, the experience of being a human and making mistakes and having difficulties and challenges. And that's, you know, that's the type of stories that a lot of uh, people resonate with. Mm. What are some examples of consultants and coaches that have gained traction through the press? Well, that there's Perry Marshall, who works, uh, he's known mostly as a Google Ads guy, but he does a lot, and he's done a lot with the, his 80-20 of marketing book. He's done really well with PR. He, you know, sort of understands the audience and can uh, produce some relevant content and get it out there for them. There are some others that have done really well. Speakers generally do okay. It can be hit or miss, but I feel like if you can build a relevant story that people want to hear. Uh, and we had someone recently who did a book on the Philippines and and basically about you know comfort women dur- during the war, which is a very uncomfortable subject, but she felt like now was a time that it was safe to bring it forward. And she's done extremely well with that because you know it, it is the type of story that different audiences resonate with. And for her, it was trying to find the messaging. She was wanting like the mainstream media like USA Today and Wall Street Journal, but she's done extremely well with um, bloggers and podcasters. And uh, even in the Philippines, a lot of the pickup that she got was initially in the Philippines, which surprised her. And it grew organically from there back into the United States. Yeah, no, that, that's a fascinating story. And and yes, authors and speakers in particular do need to get noticed as much as possible. Authors want to get their books sold. So the more notoriety they can, they can obtain, the better off they're going to be. And uh, what do you see as some of the challenges to getting noticed for business authors? I think for business authors, uh, the challenge is how do you differentiate yourself? Uh, I will say that nonfiction stands a much better chance with the media than uh, fiction, uh, mostly because you know what makes good fiction is really hard to translate in a press release. It's usually the style of writing, the subject, you know, lots of different variables. But when it comes to nonfiction, it's like, what's the subject matter? And, you know, how is it organized? And what are the, you know, takeaways or aha moments that, you know, we can break down uh, that, that your book sort of solves? And so, you know, how is your book unique or different in the landscape? And you want to sort of capture that as much as you can in a press release and synthesize it, get it you know easy to digest and get it out there. And a lot of people are very receptive to nonfiction books. It does surprisingly well. And the the big thing that I've noticed over the last, uh, I guess, you know, 15 years or so is that the types of authors that we work with has changed considerably. It used to be only self-published authors. And over the past 
you know, five years, especially, uh, we're working with a lot of people who are published through traditional publishers. And most of them have stopped doing marketing and PR in-house for small clients. I assume they're still working with the larger clients, but most of the smaller ones, they're just sending away and saying, if you want to do PR, you have to do it yourself. And so it is exciting because I feel like there's a lot more books being produced and a lot more really great content that's out there. And you know, I, I love when I'm looking at something very esoteric that I can go find a book and read about it. And, uh, you know, that, that tells me that, you know, there's a lot of niches and a lot of opportunities out there for people. The problem is you just have to define what your niche is going to be. And is it large enough to, to find a relevant audience? Mm. What's something that a nonfiction author may not know about trying to gain a following through media? I think for a lot of people, there's the assumption that they're going to make money off the book. And I think that uh, the smart People who do nonfiction books recognize that the book is just sort of like a really great business card. And it's a way to get uh, people into your community, learn more, and find other opportunities for them to work with you, whether it's you know group coaching or you know something really specific or a high-end course or program. Books are a really great way that if you say, my goal is not to make any money with the book. I'm even willing to to lose some money because I know that it can, you know, each book that I get into someone's hands is an opportunity for someone to find out about me, how I work, and then ultimately come to me if it seems like I have a solution for them. Right. So realizing that the book is a marketing tool, it's not a monetization strategy in and of itself. Correct. Yeah. That's great advice. Mickey, what have you learned over the years about running a small business? <laughs> I, I've learned that I'm not a good manager. Uh, just like my old boss, I'm not the right person to, to, to be managing people day to day. I, I tend to want to look over a shoulder and micromanage. Uh, that's just my go-to. I look at every conversation as how would I have phrased it? So I've stepped back and I have someone else that manages the day-to-day -day operations and that's made things really well. The employees love it because I'm not around to, you know, to be critical. And when I am around, it's more to be a cheerleader and to sort of celebrate the wins. So I think learning what I do well, which for me has evolved into mostly um, the marketing and advertising of the business and trying to develop the strategies behind what to offer and things like that. And, and let the you know the editorial staff handle the day-to-day -day stuff and you know they're they're competent they're smart they're not going to handle it exactly the way i would want every situation to be handled but they handle it professionally and well and i just have to be okay with that mickey you've done such a great job of uh finding finding your niche and uh, really going deep into it and evolving as technology in the marketplace have shifted what would you advise somebody who may be at that trigger moment that you were at 24 years ago when you decided you've had enough of being an employee, it's time to be an entrepreneur, what would you advise them to think about so that they can be as successful as possible as quickly as possible once they become an entrepreneur? I think to really devote yourself to it fully and explore it as much as you can. For me, I started my business while still employed full time and I committed to the business completely. I got very little sleep for over a year and I put everything in the proper order to scale and it did and it despite a few little bumps here and there, it continued to do well. And and finally when I felt like I was ready to go, 
I had probably been ready months before that, but I finally felt like I have a little bit of a nest egg. I can handle things like health insurance and other things that you don't necessarily think of when you think of you know losing full-time employment. And I was ready to go. I, I'm very cautious. So I, like I said, I probably waited too long, you know, before I left that full-time job. But, you know, don't feel that you have to stop one and start the other. You know, I would do it simultaneously and make sure that you're proving that there's some legs there and that so that, you know, you won't be in a situation where you quit your full-time job and the money dries up or, you know, your assumptions didn't work out. Like I said, it's, it's just my nature of being extremely cautious. It was the same way when I hired employees. I probably needed two employees when I hired my first employee, but I waited because I didn't want to be responsible for someone's paycheck and not ever have the money. So I wanted to make sure that the, you know, the revenue was completely uh, able to uh, pay for someone. And I, I banked a few months of those paychecks initially beforehand, just because I was, I, you know, it's a huge responsibility, you know, to hire someone and be responsible for their livelihood. Yeah, but it sounds like, uh, you know, being really clear on your hypothesis, testing, 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 looking at data to make sure that your the results confirm the hypothesis and going all in on what you're trying to do as an entrepreneur with focused discipline and perseverance. Exactly. Yeah. Mickey, this has been a great discussion about your own journey from employment into entrepreneurship, what you've done for the last two decades plus in your niche with e-releases. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed or access any resources you may have, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, my website's ereleases.com, and I have that video training on press release strategy or PR strategy that I put together. Uh, it's completely free. I'm giving it to the world, and it's available at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And uh, it's basically what I've seen works consistently over the past 20 years when it comes to PR. And it's not your normal milestone press releases where, you know, new product or new hire, but stuff that's more strategic and designed um, to, you know, basically fulfill the needs of the journalist, which is to uh, excite and interest their readers. Sounds like a great offer. We will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for um, everything that you've shared today. And Mickey, I want to thank you for being a guest today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest has been the founder and president of e-releases, Mickey Kennedy. Thank you again, Mickey, for joining us. You're very welcome. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to find your niche and make your business successful and much more. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.